folks. This year, Dolly Parton is curing coronavirus and my Christmas blues. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the last episode of Accidents Happen. It's a bittersweet moment yeah. for the show. Um, last episode, we, we actually mm-hmm. achieved peak podcasting, and so they're they're just ending all podcasts, and we're tearing down the podcast factory. Yes. Is- yep. We're tearing it down before the Weasel Dom Altamura. Yeah, we're tearing it, we're we're ending it all before the weasel Dom Altamura can can uh can blow it up uh as penance or as a revenge for the operator. Um plus we did such a good job at bringing back Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 to the theme of Thanksgiving that if you remember uh we got the call from the creator of podcasts, John D Podcasts. Um and he said that we're simply too good at it. And that last episode was just too good. Nothing can top it. Yeah, so so I guess what we'll do to start off the show is we, we got we got one caller on the on the soundboard right now. So, uh, yeah. so we'll, I'll ask the operator to patch them through. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, okay. Um oh just got a little bleep from the operator. He's uh being patched through. Uh hello caller. Jameson and Tim, it's me once again, John D. Podcasts, the creator and inventor of podcasts. That's right. That's right, you two. I'm back. Oh, my God. What an honor. Jameson, Tim, let me tell you guys that the response to your Thanksgiving episode was so strong that the people wrote, they called in, they left 95 theses at my door, and they said, Mr. John D. Podcasts, this show is simply too good, and that episode was too funny. When you boys talked about how Paul Blart should have been put to death in the episode, <laughs> that had me and my kids R-O-F-L-ing. Wow, it's, it's incredible how hip and with it you are, John D. Podcasting. You know, you really have to keep your ear to the ground when you're John D. Podcasts, creator and inventor of podcasts. So, And that's why, Jameson, I'm telling you now that I am ordering special for you a lifetime of new podcast episodes. The show can continue. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh, my God. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh, what a, what a great day for podcasting and entertainment. Could you quickly tell me about Joe Rogan a little bit? Yeah, Joe Rogan is hiding out in a bunker in Texas. Um, and and uh, it's actually the people at Spotify who, um, they're controlling him via remote control. So that's how you get Joe Rogan. Wow, fantastic. Thank you for, for bringing the, the, the good news, the good cheer. Playing Santa Claus this this. You're welcome, season. Jameson. That's what they call me. That's what they call me. They call me the Santa Claus of podcasting. <laughs> even in like May. Yeah, 
even even in May, even in May, they they uh, whenever a new episode drops, a little kid sits on my lap and says, "Mr. John D. Podcasting." All right, well, uh, and inventor. I think we're gonna have to take you off the show. They say you are the Santa of podcasts, Jameson. I have to go. I I have to go give uh, Joe Rogan a million dollars. So I'm gonna let you and Tim get back to recording the new episode. I'm excited to hear it. All right, thank you. Have a great have a great show, you two. <laughs> Jameson, we did it. We did it. We saved podcasting. <laughs> we we nearly killed and then saved podcasting. <laughs> wow. The power that we hold. All right. So, this episode uh we watched Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. A Netflix original movie where um, <laughs> it's I had fun with it. I'll be real. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I, as backstory, um, the two movies I have most recently watched were Manchester by the Sea and Dolly Parton's <laughs> Christmas on the Square. So I needed a little bit of joy. Like, I wanted to hate this movie, but I just didn't. I had a lot of fun with it. No, there's no possible way to hate this movie. My God. It's Dolly Parton. Jameson, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Oh, shit. It's that... (laughs) Try and sum up this movie. (laughs) Are you ready, buddy? Yep. All right. Three, two, one. Dolly Parton. All right, so there's this little wee small town, uh, Fullerville in the Midwest of the United States or whatever, and there's a rich woman that owns the rights to the town, and she's going to sell it to a mall, and everybody has to move out on what day? Christmas Eve? The day before Christmas? Oh, well, we are. <laughs> and they have to, angels have to change this cold woman's heart so that she changes her mind and saves the town on Christmas. That's it. Oh, with 17 seconds to spare, good job, Jameson. We once again avoid hearing the alarm of death. Yeah, this is a really tried and true plot. I mean, it's not, we're not breaking any ground with Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. (laughs) They've been making this movie since, like... The fu- the fucking sixties when the plot was just oh it's we're it's a midwest or it's a wild like it's a wild wild west plot really it's it's like that plot sure. of like small minor town being sold to like it's the plot really what it is it's the plot of Blazing Saddles <laughs> sure Dolly Parton just with more Dolly Parton saddles. and the same amount of show tunes surprisingly. <laughs> Dude, this this song, this is our second musical, I think. Cats and now Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. And yeah. so there were some good songs in this in this show. I I enjoyed Dolly Parton can't write a bad song. The singing was fantastic. Yeah. She really can't. She really can't. Like um my favorite song in the whole movie was Wicked Witch is the Wicked Witch of the Middle. Yeah, <laughs> because that whole song is just them just saying, let's fucking kill her. 
<laughs> in a church. In a church, they're like, a kid stands up and goes, what if we poison an apple and feed it to her? And they're like, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> and I the, think an old the, woman wants to bash her on the head. Yeah, and the pastor is like, oh, what can I do? These people threatening the life of oh, a woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite song? Uh, see, I don't remember the names of all of them, but I remember like feeling like this is, I don't know, this is fun. One that baffled me a little bit was the prayer one. Um, when a young girl is in the hospital with a brain trauma, mm. uh, seconds away from death nearly, like on, you know, barely gr- grasping life. And they have like an enormous gospel number, which is like really mm-hmm. cheerful. And the tone of it feels, <laughs> feels terrible. I was like, it feels <laughs> off. like we know she's going to pull through. But they don't know that yet. And they're just like dancing, having the best time of their life in this church. You're like, she could die. She could still die. Every song in this movie is essentially, we'll get up and we'll try again. Like, there's literally a song where they say that. And that theme just resonates throughout each song. Like, in the beginning of the movie, um, as they're absolutely bashing you over the head with exposition mm-hmm. uh the pastor and his wife sing the song uh i don't know what it's called and i can't remember the lyrics so i'm paraphrasing exactly. but it's essentially i'm hot and you're infertile but we'll try anyway <laughs> like i like i felt like i felt really awkward watching the first 10 minutes of this movie because it's regina the, the the wicked witch of the middle, the big businesswoman who's trying to sell the sell the town, yep. which I have a lot of questions about that. I have a lot of questions about that. She's going around and handing out eviction notices uh, to literally to everybody in the and town. Dogs. They put an eviction notice on the fucking the 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 the, the wagon that three puppies are in. Like, yeah. okay, I think I think you can chill out. It's not legally and, binding that um, the dog signs it. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the dog's going home to his wife and being, oh my <laughs> God, I can't believe we're going to have to relocate the litter. We got to sell like, the business. There, there's, there's one, the, in that, like, in the pastor and his wife's introduction in that main opening number, uh, they literally go, I think it's something, that they say something along the lines of, hopefully we can get this inse- artificial insemination thing going. And at that uh-huh. moment, I was like, whoa, okay, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> What's going on? So I actually need to make a, 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 a revision to my favorite song. Okay. Uh, while I did enjoy the song where the town plots the murder of Regina, I really enjoyed the song where the woman who is the hairdresser and Regina's childhood best friend goes, essentially, it's like it's one of the first like three songs in the, sh- mm. in the, in the movie. It's essentially her going, you're a bitch and nobody likes you. That, I think, also might be my favorite song. And she also fucks up her hair. Like, she is being really, like, the way she combs it and cuts oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, that would hurt. That would really hurt. Oh, yeah. She's just yanking on it. Not really, Not no rhyme or reason. Just absolutely going to town. The movie should have stopped there when 
<laughs> this woman, this woman's childhood best friend goes, you're a bitch and nobody likes you. Because if somebody said that to me, I would have gone, fucking what? Wait, really? They're all, they're saying all those things about me? Shit, maybe this is a bad idea. But Tim, you don't have ungodly amounts of money, all right? True. So imagine someone no. tells you nobody likes you and you also have a shit ton of money. They don't hate me because I have a shit ton of money, though. They would be hating me because I'm evicting them from their no, houses. No, no. I'm, I'm not saying they hate you because you have money. I'm saying, imagine, put yourself in the shoes of a rich person who is being told for the a millionth time that nobody likes mm-hmm. them. And then th- just think about the fact that you have a lot of money and go, I don't care what people think. I have money. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see your point. I see your point. I, um, God, this, this movie just fucking takes you on a ride. It really does. Like we said, the plot is pretty predictable. So I think I only had one surprise in the entire movie. And that was, um, that was when we found out that the assistant is also an angel because there are lots of guardian angels. Yes. Yes, I was so surprised. A genuine twist. Yeah, because if you're going to send an angel to try and change somebody's mind, don't make them the assistant to a billionaire, uh, because <laughs> odds are the billionaire won't hear their suggestions. Yeah, no. Like, no, imagine, no. like imagine God sends an angel to fucking Jeff Bezos. It's like, hey, Jeff, what if you donated a billion dollars to help cure COVID? <laughs> I He's think like, can we get rid of this guy? Jeff <laughs> Jeff Bezos would send Amazon drones to strike this motherfucker's house. <laughs> yeah. It's not even a question. We we're facing the biggest public health crisis in 100 years and 40% of Americans are experiencing um uh food insecurity for the first time in their lives. And just recently, Jeff Bezos said, I'm going to put the first woman on the moon. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. This woman is just Jeff Bezos if Jeff Bezos had the balls to sell a town. So so this movie, in case you weren't sure that Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square was a Christmas movie, this movie is constantly uh, acknowledging the fact that it takes place during Christmas or around Christmas, which I find hilarious. Yes. Like, I, I love the idea... Mm-hmm. That they're like, everybody has to be evicted from their house the night before Christmas. And they're like, you can't evict us on Christmas. As if the eviction part wasn't a problem. Like, can't you evict us on the 26th? You can't evict us on Christmas Eve the day before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, okay, fine. Valentine's Day. <laughs> you, 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 you can't evict us on Valentine's Day. This is we show each other how much we love them. <laughs> like, I don't think that we've... It's funny to me that Christmas is a holiday that we've put so much value on. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. there's, Halloween, there's Halloween spirit, but... And, like, all these other things. But nobody's ever like, you want to know what the true meaning of the 4th of July is? <laughs> Because holidays don't really have meaning, I think. I mean, they are what we make of no. them. But to be like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's. I, I find it hilarious to have so much reverence for, for Christmas. Yeah, and like, 
I feel like there's only a handful. Like I feel like it's one of the only big like ca- like Christian holidays where we get that like reverence for it. Besides maybe Easter, and it's like, but like imagine, <laughs> imagine just sitting down, like on November first, and uh, your mom goes, kids, gather ra- gather around the uh, the old uh, the old her- family hearth and uh, let's learn the true meaning of All Saints Day. <laughs> of the St. Marcus Feast <laughs> this, Folks, it's the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi Gather your pets, gather your dogs Let's have a great time today Um, But other plot twists like Dolly Parton as a homeless person With a big uh, cardboard box that said change Apparently was not a change. homeless person She was an angel <laughs> Who saw that coming? Apparently, the homeless perf- person with an absolutely perfect eyeshadow <laughs> yeah, is not is makeup. not really like she 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 had her she had a full full face of makeup. What homeless homeless attire or stereotypical stereotypical homeless attire that I could only describe as the new Yeezy collection? Yeah, she had like a shawl on. And not, I don't know, a jacket, dude. And then like un- underneath, <laughs> underneath, you could see just like a perfectly braided, like her blonde hair. Yeah, a pearl necklace. <laughs> and then when she's the devil, or the, oh my god, I was when, when she's, she's the, the devil. devil. When she's, <laughs> that would be a great Halloween movie if Dolly Parton's the devil. I literally don't think she has a a bone in her body that could say I'm the devil and put on like horns. <laughs> I don't know. So Catholic. I don't know. Thank this movie, like, like I said, it just beat this. This is one of those towns that just exists on Christmas. Like I have a, like I have a theory that all like Hallmark lifetime movies, like those towns, like where it's like just perpetually Christmas. And when it's not December, everybody dies and then they get resurrected uh, Thanksgiving. Isn't there a Black Mirror episode about that? Like a, it's like a town in a snow globe that's p- perpetually Christmas or something. That sounds awesome. I I just love Dolly Parton's like. She just has this really insane reverence towards like country music and the South. Like when I grew up, I didn't know Dolly Parton as like. Jolene, like the woman who sang Jolene, mm-hmm. I knew her as the person who created Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede. Do you know what Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede is? Not at all. I'm gonna let me go to their website so I can get you a uh, a real a real let's call it synopsis of what this fucking thing is. Currently um, because as, as, as far as I recall, there are a couple. There are a couple different locations. I don't know if the one I went to, the one I went to, was actually pro- I think closed. I think because uh, I went there with Dolly my Parton's. grandparents, and um, it's called Dolly Parton's Christmas Stampede. And essentially, what it is, it's a Southern four co- four course feast followed by a show featuring music, comedy, live animals, and pyrotechnics. Man, I I won't lie. It had a big Confederate vibe to it. I mean, if it was called Dixie Stampede, a lot of a lot of the stuff I'm seeing online for it is just about Christmas. But hold on, um, 
uh, filled with friendly north and south competition, thrilling mm-hmm. horse riding, horse riding stunts, spectacular special effects, phenomenal music productions, plus a mouthwatering four course feast complete with a delicious dessert. Also, Stampede Skeeter and Nugget deliver a huge helping of family-friendly comedy at every show. Skeeter and Nugget. Skeeter and Nugget. Dolly Parton just needs to stop being so Southern for just a couple minutes because... Oh my God, then she won't be Dolly Parton. and Southern. What's that? I said then she won't even be Dolly Parton, Tim. I don't think you know what you're asking. You know, I think... I think we can live without Dixie Stampede. <laughs> You're like, man, will will Quentin Tarantino stop thinking about feet for five seconds? It's too much to ask for, Tim. <laughs> okay, I see your point. I see your point. Oh, man, who was your favorite character in Christmas I was going to ask square? you the same thing because it's a small town. It's a movie by a small town, so you... I think get an idea of almost every single person that lives there. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm going to say the the gossipy mailman was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. My favorite scene of his was when everybody was going to the meeting and uh, there was resist Regina posters and flyers and banners all over town. And then the guy goes, hey, Regina, I heard the pastor hates your fucking guts <laughs> and he's <laughs> yeah. planning a resistance. In case you couldn't tell from the giant resist <laughs> Regina poster on top of the church. Church. It's like a 20 foot wide sign. Folks, we did it. The church is now part of the resistance. <laughs> yeah. The, the church is now a blue rich. check mark lib. Yeah, so I would say my favorite. That's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, I really liked the the little girl, the bartender girl. Oh yeah, because she That's... she was great. Because her song was really good. I thought her. I thought she she could she could sing a tune. She could carry a tune. She could. Um, but I just loved how she poured whiskey for Regina, and then <laughs> pulled out another whiskey glass. And drank chocolate milk. She's like, ah, oh, get it? It's a kid's drink. I still drink chocolate milk, like, every day. So I, I, I resonated with her. Yeah, you, you connected on a deep level. What I loved about the little girl was the fact that after she got hit by a car. Is that what happened? Did she get hit by a car? <laughs> Something like that. They, don't, they just she go, gets- there was an accident over by the bridge. I'll say I'll say she got hit by a car because her mother got hit by a car, and that's probably like oh the same thing happened. Anyway, she's on a hospital bed, uh, and her her father, her grieving father, single father, is over her her body, and um, <laughs> and calls her a diva for dying early. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking prima donna. Where this bitch feels like she can just get hit by a car and die? Yeah. Because when she's at the bar, she's telling Regina what it's like to be a diva. She's like, oh, when I grow up, 
I'm going to be the life of the party, but I'm going to get there late so I can make an entrance and leave early so I seem important. And then and then and then his her dad is like, "Oh, you always had to leave early to make it seem like you were important. What a diva." <laughs> oh my god. I This movie just surprises you in every turn. So but like, it's like what, a classic what, Christmas carol movie. Yeah. So so what surprised you? I I just what surprise okay, first of all, um Regina um having premarital sex and having to give away the baby. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. That came that kinda came out of nowhere. Also with a man with a goatee. And like a weird shirt. Like yeah. A very weird shirt. Yeah, everybody was kinda wearing like these like the southern kinda like typical cowboy type shit i don't know middle america you know clothes like it's just an out like i honestly at this point it's just a uniform for if you're fucking 18 and from the south that's really all it is but this guy um but then this man in like some kind of wacky wacky shirt that had like two buttons done and like his like almost what i felt was his entire torso even if it was a minuscule amount it felt like his entire torso and his um, really weird goatee. Like, the man looked 30. Oh, yeah. And, like, him and the young Regina are dancing, and they're dancing. And then you find out, woo-woo, they did the dirty, oh, stinky. And uh, Regina's father mm-hmm. gave away the fucking baby. What I think is funny is how much, like, I don't even know if they show anybody kiss ever. But there's so much stuff about um, her getting pregnant and the pastor trying to get pregnant. Like, there's a lot of talking around sex that has to happen. Like, it's you can see the writers, like, trying to not say, like, and then we banged. Yeah. Yeah, for a movie so Catholic, it is very horny. Yeah, there's a lot of sex going on. Especially, I mean, you got a sexy pastor that's trying to have a child. Scandalous. So, Jameson, what are your closing thoughts on Christmas on the Square? In the Square, whatever the hell this movie is called. The Dolly Parton horny movie about angels. I I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting going into it, but I was. Mm. It, it put me in a good mood, man. All the musical numbers and it was campy as hell. I loved that. Oh, yeah. All the the small town vibes. It was a lot of fun. It, yeah, I, I'd have to. I'd have to agree, especially because before, the, like I said earlier, the movie I watched before this was Manchester by the Sea, and that's not exact. <laughs> and that's not exactly a laugh out loud comedy. No, it's not. Have you seen that movie before? I have a very long time ago, like when it came out. Jameson, there were four different movies. Because I was alone in my room watching it on my computer, and we'll talk. Maybe we'll do an episode about Manchester by the Sea. Dear God, if if we ever if we're ever feeling too good, we'll talk about Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> but there's, I'll just tell you this, Jameson, because it's important to how a Chris uh, this Christmas movie made me feel. There were four different moments in Manchester by the Sea where I went, "Oh my God," and started crying. Dear God. <laughs> I chose this for myself. This movie came out three years ago. I didn't need to watch it, yeah. but I did. I so, think, with that being said, 
I was so in the need for joy that I just gobbled it all up with this yeah. movie. Dolly Parton delivers. Dolly Parton delivers in this in this Christmas romp. You heard it here first, folks. Um, I, what's funny to me about that is that I kind of had a similar but opposite reaction when I watched Ballplart Mall Cop 2, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is that after I watched Ballplart Mall Cop 2, I watched The Purge. <laughs> I bet that was the most cathartic like movie-watching experience. Yeah, maybe that's why I had death on the mind so much when I was recording that episode. Dude... <laughs> I feel like every time we watch a bad movie, we need to watch some cor- some kind of like slasher movie just to let off some steam. Yeah, that feels so real how, good. So, how how much does does this movie compare to uh, your your Christmas experience, Tim? This movie compares to my Christmas experience um, in a couple different ways, considering. One of the one of the main things is that this movie feels like a Christmas pageant, mm-hmm. and uh, I and went dance. to, dude, I I went to I went to Catholic school, pre K through, fucking senior year of high school, I was in plenty of Christmas pageants, plenty mm-hmm. of Christmas choruses. That it's the same thing, as watching this movie. Okay, so. What were the kind of like if you were going to be in Christmas on the Square, who do you think mm. you would have gotten cast by or cast as? That's a great question. Um, I would like to say I would have liked to be the mailman. Uh-huh. Uh, but considering I am incredibly um let's call it I I'm I'm incredibly like vanilla so i i have a feeling i would have been cast as like the pastor's friend or the pastor himself does the pastor even have a friend no he doesn't but i feel like they would have created i I feel like they would have created one for you yeah they'd be like this guy is so neutral that we need to create a character that is just as neutral as him So so i feel like i feel like that that's where i i i lie so what were the kind of parts that you did get in these Christmas pageants? Um, well, what, the first one I remember, I was in kindergarten, and we did the nativity. We did the nativity scene. Classic. Um, and everybody wanted the role of Joseph. Everybody wanted the role of the shepherds. Um, I was an angel who um, uh, was not the main angel, uh, but rather stood behind the main angel and uh, had my face covered with these big ass wings of the main angel. So maybe you could have been the assistant, Tim. Me? Okay. You know, maybe I'm the maybe I'm the bumbling assistant who doesn't whose opinions don't get heard. <laughs> yeah, you get shit on by a billionaire constantly. That's just what. That's essentially what I'm doing now, man. That's late stage capitalism right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, buddy. Thank you, um, John D. Podcast, for reinstating our contract, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, J- John D. Podcast is unfortunately part of the rich, so we will be eating him. Sorry, John. We love you. Um, um, some other good Christmas pageant moments. Um, you know, there's always the, you know, 
Silent Night. I remember singing Silent Night as a kid um, up on stage in a sweater that I thought was incredibly itchy. Um, I remember uh, in high school, we would sing uh, the, or, or I was in the choir uh, at my high school, and we would sing uh, all the typical Christmas carols, um, and we never got it right until the night of, of the concert. Mm-hmm. That was always great. Um, for some reason, we sang Toto's Africa. What the fuck? What? Uh, what? During the Christmas, uh, I think it was the I think it was the Christmas uh, Are you uh, sh- concert. You're sure that was that was Africa by Toto? Yeah, yeah, no, we sang Africa by Toto. Okay, because I'm thinking there's some song that's like, and it won't snow in Africa this year. Or something no, like we that. sang, uh, uh, it's going to take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. <laughs> okay. And the, thi- the thing that sticks out to me is that my the choir director thought, were you in choirs, Jameson? No, I was always the tech guy. Okay, you're always the tech guy. So you saw this, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Did choir, did choir directors ever say that this sound, the sound of your hands rubbing together... Did they ever say that that sounded like rain? No, I would never think well, of that in a million years. <laughs> that well, that that nobody nobody does except choir directors. What the? F- I've um, no, I've never seen or heard of that in my life. It's it doesn't feel great. I'll tell you that. Um, but then you know there 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 are Christmas tree lightings in my small weird ass town. Uh, that it, that we had to sing at. Um. You know, it's just it's just the most vanilla Christmas experiences you could get at a Catholic school. That's really all it comes down to. Yeah, this movie does give off serious theater vibes because it doesn't look like a movie. Like we should no, tell the, it, we should tell the listeners that it looks it looks like they're being filmed on a soundstage or where, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, they use matte paintings in this. Like I remember uh, the one scene where. Uh, Regina's dad is looking out onto like in uh, to the square, and it's literally a painting. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. Oh my god, the special effects of like Dolly Parton being an angel when when she goes full angel with the wings and she's in the air that I was dying laughing. It's not good, spe- or when or when she puts uh, the assist. Excuse me, or when she puts the ex- uh, assistant in like the small little jar. Yeah, yeah, I for, totally forgot about that. That entire song was was wild. They could have cut two of these songs. They I, didn't need yeah. every single song. That's fair. I think they needed it for the runtime. Although it is like an hour forty. Like it's not. It was an hour thirty. Yeah, it was an yeah. hour forty. That's a long movie. That's a long bad movie. Yeah, we could have cut a couple things. A thousand percent, dude. I thought this was gonna be an opera, considering that the first ten minutes are the same song. Yeah, the first song is Christmas on the Square. <laughs> Christmas the is the time is... for singing. And mistletoe. And <laughs> just a list of, of Christmas things. Like, I imagine writing that song is just like putting out a whiteboard and being like, what are things that are Christmas? Mistletoe. What is cookies, Christmas? Gingerbread. Snow. Uh, and then uh, figuring out Jesus. what rhymes with all those things. Uh, brain tumors. Oh my uh, god! 
I there were there were cat scans. There were so many jokes about her having a brain tumor. That yeah, they were like, "Ha ha ha, you have cancer," <laughs> or or more more exactly, "Ha ha ha, I have cancer," because yeah. she's the one. Regina's the one making all the brain tumor jokes. Also, is it implied that Dolly Parton gives Regina her brain cancer? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like, I'm ninety percent sure that the movie is like because Dolly Parton gives her brain. It gives her a brain tumor so that she can like reevaluate her life. You know, it's a wonderful lifestyle. And then when she decides to not sell the town, they're like, your brain tumor's gone. That was crazy. Must have been a malfunction of the equipment. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor with his fucking tiny ass glasses is like, what the fuck? (laughs) I I love movie endings. It's it's literally like the Wayne's Wayne World like happy happy ending where mm-hmm. it's like now we're together and we're gonna have a baby and I know who my mom is and this child isn't <laughs> dead and you don't have cancer and we're not selling the town. It's like holy shit, we are so happy. <laughs> I'm gonna write a Christmas movie and the the main character when they find out all the happy stuff at the end, they're just gonna go, What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, Holy shit, that's great. <laughs> I, I want to write a Christmas movie, but like all the bad things that happen to them, like all the negative tropes that happen to people in Christmas movies, I want people to react like authentically to where uh-huh. it's like, oh, you're being evicted. Oh shit. And it's the day before Christmas. Fuck. <laughs> it just, like, just, just, there's no joy. It's like just bomb town hall now. It's all the businesses like trying to sell like I guess there's there's a little bit of that, but it's like you never you're never like, oh, well, they're going to not sell the town. Yeah, I don't know how you make I I make this movie and have the stakes like feel real. Right. Well, the thing is, the thing the questions that I have about the concept of Regina selling the town comes down to um, who do these people have mortgages with? Who do they pay their rent to? Because if they're paying you their mortgages and their rent, you're making out like a bandit every month. But if the if the the property belongs to say banks like they do in real life, then the movie doesn't happen. No, I think Regina owns because she says she's lowering the rent to everybody. She says low rents and high spirits or something. So I think Regina like gets everybody's rent and mortgages and stuff. That's so... Why would you sell that? That is so much money. An entire town's worth of rent and mortgages? That is, A, cat. like you're a landlord. You're doing fine. It, it baffles me. And it's a thriving town. Like, their businesses are doing very well. The, the fucking... At the beginning of the movie, when Dolly Parton is homeless, pretending to be homeless, Regina George sees her and goes, that's the first homeless person we've seen in this town, to her face. <laughs> she just goes, ew, gross. Ew, <laughs> a poor moves. person. <laughs> um, Yeah, that... <laughs> This movie, like I said, this movie just surprises you at every moment, especially, especially when, (laughs) 
the, the kid version of Regina goes, let's keep the rent low and the spirits high. I went, oh no, oh no, you little fucking landlord. <laughs> Can I, I felt real bad. I have, I have, a, I wrote down two things. I wrote down two okay. notes when I was watching this movie. One of them was about um, the, the, the young girl with brain trauma her father calling her a diva. <laughs> and then the other one was that when Regina finds out her son is a pastor from mm-hmm. a, a diary that's written in the, the preface of her father's Bible or something. Um, something like that. She gives the Bible to her pastor son and is like, we're family. I'm your mother. And here's the proof. And then I think she or the pastor says, it's written in a Bible, so it must be true. That's that's another one of those signature moments where a character I would write would go, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I love the loophole of if you want something to be true, you just have to write it with a pen somewhere in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Because as we know, the Bible doesn't lie to you. <laughs> The word of God. So what were you going to say, Tim? Um, as soon as they're like, oh, and then I gave the baby away. I went, it's a fucking pastor. I don't, I don't, I think I picked up on that it was going to be the pastor too. I don't know at what point like, though. I, I was watching it and as soon as I was like, how old's the pastor? How old is Regina? Yeah, that fucking, that checks out. I think what what I was expecting more is that. Um, was them to be way more on the nose and be like, I want to have a child so that their child knows who their parents are. Because I, when I grew up, I didn't know who my parents were. Yeah, they kind of buried that. They that was the that's the only plot point that they didn't explicitly tell you. Yeah, like in the first in the first song, or one of the songs, uh, the hairdresser friend Regina just goes, "I'm you. I've been your friend." F- uh, uh, f- since we were child, since we were children, and-, and I'm the only friend you've had these past six months when I saw you at your father's funeral six months ago. <laughs> I went, fucking hell. And then and then when she goes to the general store, the Regina, she goes to the general store, and she looks in, and you're like, oh, there's some guy that she's in love with in there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Ev- everybody is so strongly, like, this is what I am. I am Regina's sassy best friend. I am Regina's love yeah. interest. I am. I would Regi- love it. <laughs> I I would love it if people were this honest in real life. Right. It's like everyone thinks you're a bitch and they hate you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then it's not like the town is trying to pretend. Like, there's no reason. Like, she doesn't have to even say that because they're re- right. resist Regina <laughs> things all over the place. <laughs> They were up in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, it, yeah. so organized. They were quick. Uh, so, Jameson, what 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 does this movie remind you of? What stories does this this uh, this movie bring to the forefront of your cerebral cortex? Well, um, I mentioned that this movie doesn't look like a movie. And, and one of the reasons is because, and this is most evident in the first and last songs, when, like, it's the mm-hmm. entire town is being filmed. Is that you go? Oh, right. this is a set. Like this is a, this is a fake place. <laughs> this is not real. 
Um, it reminds me of this thing in Skinny Atlas that they do every year, except for this year because it was the coronavirus, obviously, um, called A Dickens Christmas. Um, Skinny Atlas is this little town on um, on a lake. It's really it's really pretty. There's a lot of rich people that live there. The houses are super nice. And every year they like decorate this entire like square of a town to look like it's a Victorian era, like English downtown, whatever. And like Mm -hmm. there are like people in character walking around. So like you can walk around and just talk to a chimney sweep or talk to Ebenezer Scrooge or talk to... Tiny Tim is probably somewhere. Like, there's a bunch of characters, and then there's also just people doing British accents in funny costumes. Um, That's great. And it gives off the, the the musical theater vibes because every absolutely everybody there is a theater kid. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, and also it gives off this is not a real town. This is a fake place that I'm inside. <laughs> I'm hallucinating. Uh, Charles Dickens, England. <laughs> yeah, and I get. I guess the really embarrassing thing that they do every year that is like, it, it's like the thing you have to do when you go, is at some point they all go to this. Um, what is it called? Like a carousel or a something? It's like outside, but there's a roof. Is it a merry-go-round? No, there's no horses. What the fuck is it called? People get married in them. Gazebo. It's a gazebo. (laughs) (laughs) It's a stationary (laughs) merry-go-round. So there's this big-ass gazebo that all the characters get into. And then they, like, you all sing. Everybody that goes gathers around. And then everybody sings the 12 Days of Christmas. Ooh. (laughs) And... Oh, and no. sections of the crowd are given responsibility to sing one of the days and also do a dance with it. So, like, when you get to the geese, the geese have to, like, turn around and, like, shake their butt as if they were, like, feathers. Or, I, I don't even know. But, and it's a competition, so you can win by being the most obnoxious person. <laughs> So the the, I think it's like if you do the best of whatever thing you are supposed to do, like if you are the drummers, and you like, I don't know, like drum really well, but it's always just whoever is the most obnoxious and sings the loudest and like, hits the most people while doing their dance. It's like you, get up here, and then they they make you do the dance in front of everybody. Oh my god. Yep. Uh, the Queen of that England sounds like shows my up. nightmare. It is a nightmare. What, what the f- wait? Hold on. The Queen of <laughs> England shows up. The Queen of England gives you the prize for being the most obnoxious person. What queen? Because if they have the the current one, buddy, do I have a fact check for them? <laughs> I don't oh, know. But. It is. It is I, the current Queen of England, here in this Charles Deconian, in this Deconian fucking village in the 1700s. <laughs> I don't. I would know love which it if queen like England it is. I would love it if they just threw fact to the wind, and they made the Queen of England Italian in like, Austin but like Powers. The, but like, was... 
<laughs> oh, I like the way you shake your feathers, baby. Am I making you horny? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, sir, there are children here. You're going to jail. <laughs> what, are you going to shag me? Oh, uh, no, I'm going to arrest you and put you in jail. Um, maybe kill you, but... Even that might not be harsh enough. There, there are British bobbies that like carry around uh, clubs and stuff, and they're pretty funny. I think because it's always the same people every year play these like certain parts. Like the dude who plays Ebenezer Scrooge is always Ebenezer Scrooge, and they have these two cops that are genuinely, I think, really funny. I couldn't tell you any I of think... the bits that they do, but they're pretty good. <laughs> I think we once COVID is over, Jameson, we need to go to this and just get absolutely hammered. <laughs> Tim, Tim, I, I, every time you say, James, Jameson, after this whole COVID thing, we have to do anything and get drunk as hell. I'm gonna get so drunk that I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the Bobby's baton and just. <laughs> <laughs> just hit myself with it. Tim wants to be publicly drunk so bad. He's like, yeah, I just want, I just want a public intoxication. <laughs> on COVID, my, on, if on COVID my has record. ruined anything, it's Tim's ability to get drunk in front of people that don't know him. See, that, I mean, that's what I like because I'm not, I haven't been drinking a lot yeah. in this quarantine, Jameson. Mm-hmm. So my tolerance is dog shit. Yeah, it's gone. I drank a White Claw the other day, and I felt sleepy. Oh, my God. Like, it, it's not good. So as soon as I go to a bar and have, like, like a Pepsi, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to be black out. Just a Pepsi. Nothing mixed in. Just it. a Pepsi, Just dude. Just a Pepsi. It, it's going to be insane. It's going to be a wild ride. And stop number one, the Dickensian, Deconian, whatever the fuck it is. Charles Dickens land. And yes. then we're hopping on a plane and we're going to the Dixie Stampede. Oh my God. Back to back. We're going to the Dixie Stampede. We're having the four course meal and we're going to root against the Confederacy. <laughs> That's true Yankees. Yeah. If we bring all of our, sh- our New York shit. We're like, hey, we just put on terrible New York accents. I haven't seen this much garbage since the Sox. Hey. Hey. Where's all your freaking scaffolding? Oh, two, 280 miles of scaffolding in Manhattan and one mile of bullshit here. So anyways, he was a nudist. <laughs> oh my God, I love scaffolding. <laughs> one of the things I miss about New York City, man, is just bumping into people and scaffolding because they take away a lot of the sidewalk. Yeah. Feels real good, man. I haven't been I'm I haven't thinking been about. to New York City in a few years. I can't tell you the, when it was exactly, but I do I sure do miss that scaffolding. Ah <laughs> oh, man, the classic New York staples. The the hot dogs, the pizza, the scaffolding. Well, it's funny cuz now we're on a complete tangent, but anyways, I was after I watched the how to about scaffolding I, mm-hmm. I was playing 
the Spider-Man video game. And I was like, there's yeah. no scaffolding in this New York. Yeah. It, 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 it's utopia. Yeah. And so I was, I don't know. It's like, if I was, if I was making that game, I think I would put in more scaffolding. Dude, I, I watched that episode last night and, um, it made me realize how much scaffolding I walked under daily when I was commuting down to the city. Mm-hmm. But boy, did you feel safe of bricks? not? Dude, I never had to worry about things falling on my head. Felt great. Incredible. Every time I walk up the sidewalk here in in upstate land, I I don't know what's overhead. Mm -hmm. What's funny to me about that episode is that they build scaffolding in New York City to stop things from falling onto the sidewalk. But Mm -hmm. all of my experiences with scaffolding, because, you know, when I worked for a company... um, doing concerts, I would, I would build scaffolding for like stages and shit. Mm -hmm. And that was always to support things and hold them up like, uh, like stages and sound booths. Sure. I've never been like, Oh, we should build scaffolding just for people to walk under. That's wild. It it just goes to show the versatility of scaffolding. scaffolding. Yes. We should have more folks. Welcome. Welcome to the Scaffolding Podcast with Jameson Styles and Tim Brenner, where we talk about scaffolding. Yeah. So, are you a fan of of X frames or or you know standing beams? What do you think? I, I'd say the classic is the X frames, without a doubt, because you can. There's so much you can do on the X frames. You could lean on them. You could sit on them precariously. You could yeah. crawl underneath them. What about you? Uh, I myself. Uh, I just love anything that's rusted so much that you think it might collapse. Ah, that's great. Hold on, Jameson, I, I'm hold on, I'm getting a little notification. Um, John D. Podcasting <laughs> is calling once again. Oh, my God. Put him on the line. Sh- should him we patch him through? Put him on the line. Jameson and Tim, it's me once again, John D. Podcasting. How's the episode going so far, Jameson? I think it's going great. I think we're nearly an hour in, and, and we've gotten to the, the scaffolding section of our podcast. Jameson, and that's exactly what I'm here to talk to you about. I've been, I, I, I kind of, I told the podcast operator to uh, patch me in uh, so I could hear you guys, and uh, I could spy on the show. Um, not in any nefarious way, though, because uh, I'm actually here to tell you that because of the the scaffolding portion of this week's episode mm-hmm. i'm naming youtube the president of scaffolding oh what an honor and of course the d the d in your name stands for does scaffolding also yes um uh, actually um my mother's maiden name is scaffolding um so i come from a long line of scaffolding is so that's a great honor yes. because we all know scaffolding is very near and dear to your heart. And, and you know, if you besmirch the name of scaffolding, God's mm-hmm. wrath. Jameson, every, every Sunday night, my, my mom, my mom, Mrs. John D. Scaffolding. She oh, so your parents are separated, divorced? Yeah, it was a very bitter divorce that happened when I was young. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. 
mother, John D. Scaffolding, sat me down every Sunday on her knee, and she said, Johnny Podcast. Johnny Podcast. Don't forget your scaffolding roots and goods. <laughs> You know, it's a scaffolding. And those words <laughs> stuck with me. To this day. And in a funny way, John, I think your mother's knee was, was like a piece of scaffolding holding you up. <laughs> my mom's your, knee your... was the scaffolding of my childhood. Honestly, the first scaffolding that I ever encounter are my bones. Because my bones <laughs> keep me upright. Yeah. If you think about it, bones are just the human scaffolding. So is that why you wanted? To, is that why you wanted to call? <laughs> I wanted to talk about scaffolding. <laughs> I wanted to join. Wanted to join John, do you have any? John, do you have any friends? <laughs> yes. Okay, and so you just felt like, like you know. Cutting into our show and talking about scaffolding because you have so many friends to talk to you. Jameson, me and my friends love talking about scaffolding. It's one of the things that we, me and my friends, who live in Canada and you can't meet, it's the thing that we all love to do. (laughs) My friends who live in Canada. That must be a shame that you can't go to Canada because of coronavirus. Oh, buddy, you have no idea. I can't see my... I can't see any of my friend. Well, I think I think you're a friend of the show, all right? That's the nicest thing that anybody has said to me. Second only, Jameson, to, hey, I like your scaffolding and wow. your podcasts. <laughs> well, makes thanks you, for checking in. Makes you think, thanks for huh? checking in, John. Jameson, you're you so welcome. And once again, congratulations to you and Tim on becoming the presidents of scaffolding. Yeah, the president of scaffolding and the kings of podcasting. You guys are just pulling. You guys are really the scaffolding of society. Holding up podcasts. Keeping, keeping everything upright. Well, Jameson, it's time for me to call my friend in Canada to talk about scaffolding again. Have a great oh, night. Have a good night, John. Mwah. Oh my god, Jameson, now we're the, the presence of scaffolding? I think John D. Podcasting is a broken man. <laughs> we're just we're just trying to pick up the pieces. <laughs> Put oh. them back together. Well, Jameson, what a what a time this has been. On Talk, that note. Talking about everything under the talking about all the things Christmas. Like Dolly Parton. <laughs> Scaffolding. <laughs> Brain tumors. Ah, yes. The three most beloved aspects of Christmas. Brain tumors. <laughs> Scaffolding. And Dolly Parton. You love to see it. Man, how do, we, how, do, how do we keep coming up with this, Tim? I mean, it's, it's, it just pours out of us. It you know I would yeah much like a vintage vino it just flows the conversation flows the comedy never stops. Well, I think that's the show. That really is the show, Jameson. Where can they find us on social media? 
They can find us at... <clears throat> Give me a second to load here. Dear God. Accidents Happen Pod on Instagram and Accidents Pod on uh, Twitter. Feeling good. At where can they find you, Jameson? Where, wherever you use them. You can find me at Jameson underscore Styles and at Jameson underscore Styles on Instagram and Twitter. What about, oh, what about you, Tim? Where are they going to find you? They they can find they can find me under a bridge. No, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Timmy Brenner. Wow. And you can find scaffolding in your heart. And all over the city of Manhattan. Yeah, 280 miles of it. It's the one of the few things from that episode that stuck out. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, uh Fucking subscribe! I to truly this show. don't know how to wrap up this episode. <laughs> it has gone on such a tangent that I, Tim, I'm I'm worried that we might have ruined our perfect streak of of tying together uh, disparate topics of Thanksgiving and Paul Blart, and now Christmas and scaffolding. See, no, the perfect streak still stands. You want to know why, Jameson? Because I'm I'm, I'm, I'm about to wrap. I'm I'm about to tie it up right now. Give it to me. Are you ready? I'm here. Much like the mall that was going to be built in Fullerville, <laughs> we're going to make like a cheetah and run out the door and leave. <laughs> I did it, Jameson. Unequivocally, you did it with that one line. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wow, you really set my expectations high and just uh, absolutely destroyed them. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> well, folks, uh, bye, 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 goodbye. <laughs> Podcast done. <laughs>